Okay, praise God. I was going to get back into First Timothy today, but I've uh, been praying, and, and uh, I want to do a, a message called When Prayers uh, Go Unanswered. Because I think we miss one of the most important aspects of our Christian walk. To me, it's our lifeline, our spiritual lifeline is our prayer life, you know. And I love to talk about prayer because when we're talking about prayer, we're basically talking about our relationship with God in its, in its most fundamental form, communication, amen. And we really couldn't even have a relationship with God uh, and walk in the power of the Spirit and know Him except through the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen. We can't be saved except through what Christ did for us on the cross. As Paul said, that there's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, amen. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So we come to the Father through Christ and his shed blood. We have the forgiveness of sins. We're, we're invited by the Lord to enter his throne room with confidence. You know? And I, 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 you know, when I was a new Christian, I had a King James Bible. And it says, talked about entering his throne room with boldness, you know? And I liked the word boldness, but I didn't really like it in that context. Because it almost seemed brash, like to enter God's throne room with boldness. So when I think of boldness, I'm like, here I am. You know, I'm like, I don't want to be like that. I want to be humble before God. But the word in the Greek means confidence. To enter his throne room with confidence. And a lot of Christians lack confidence when they come to God. And it's kind of, you know, it could be, seem a little tricky for some people. Because on, in, in one sense, he tells us to be humble, right? And... God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. So he calls us to humility. And we're called to fear him and serve him with reverence and awe. Yet he wants us to be confident about coming to his presence. And I think when we talk about how does that all fit together? How do we relate to God? Uh, I was talking to a sister last Sunday after church. And she was encouraged. She said, hey, you know what? I really struggle sometimes, you know, communicating with people and communicating with God and so forth. And, uh, you know, can you do a message, you know, on, on communicating with God and, and, and relating to him and so forth? And she just, she's a dear sister that loves the Lord, and she has a really, she presses into the Lord and has, a, I believe, a good relationship with the Lord, but she wants to advance in that. And she said, what does that look like, you know, in me relating to the Lord? And, and she encouraged me, because she's, she's, she said, you know, you encouraged me, this was just her opinion, you know, and, uh, but she says, you encourage me more than, you know, what I, everything I've listened to as far as my relationship with God and how to have it. But, I, but I, can you just do a whole message on how to relate to God, you know? I said, sure. And that's not this message, by the way. Th this would fit in there in an excellent way. But I'm gonna ha I'll probably have a Sunday message in a couple weeks or so, uh, which I've already been working on. Because I thought, you know what? That's, that's a good message, you know? I said, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, just to have a devotional message on how do we... How do, we know, how do we come to know the Lord in a deeper, you know, I shouldn't use the word intimate, but I said in a, in a more intimate way. But it got me thinking along the lines of prayer because sometimes a lot of Christians, they know we're supposed to pray and they don't know how to approach God and so forth. But we need to fear the Lord, that's for sure. But we also need to remember that he wants us to come to him. And we want to love the Lord, amen? And we want to understand that he is our father in heaven, Amen. So the fear isn't like God's a mean person. He's just this mean creator and hopefully he'll tolerate me. No, he, he longs for us to be in his presence. The Bible says that God longs to show us mercy. Do you know that? It's pretty awesome to think that God wants to show us mercy. So we're supposed to enter his throne room, you know, in time of need, Hebrews 4, for mercy and grace. 
He wants to show us mercy. He wants to show us grace. He longs to show us this love. And I think it's important that, yeah, we, we approach him as the creator of all things, the judge of all the earth, but we realize we need to see him through Christ. If you've seen me, you've seen who, Jesus said. You look at Jesus and just see how he treated his apostles, how patient he was, amen? And then you see the heart of the Father. And he longs to have mercy on us. So go into the throne with confidence. That's why he sent his son to shed his blood for you, amen? But when we first cry out to God, we come to a knowledge, we come to a conviction, we come to an understanding that we've broken God's moral law, that we deserve divine judgment, amen? amen. And we, we deserve it. But we recognize what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, that God was in Christ Jesus, not holding the world's trespass against him, but, but reconciling the world to himself, we're told in the Second Corinthians. That's the heart of God. That's, I, I love that passage. And that's his heart toward us. And we realize we need to be saved. When we first come to Christ, we realize there is a fiery hell, and we all deserve to go there. And we cry out to him. Amen? Amen. So, you know, and if I'm, if my house is on fire and it's out of control, and, you know, my, you know, a water hose won't do it, or my, you know, fire extinguisher won't get it out, you know, I'm in trouble. You know, I'm going to be calling Eric over there, you know, or, you know, Andy over there, or one of the other firemen in the church, you know, and... But man, if I'm going to hell, those guys are both excellent firemen. But man, they can't keep my soul from hell. I'm going to call on who? Jesus, amen. So just being saved, man, you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you cry out to him, and he, he forgives you. He has mercy on you. And it's so amazing. But you know what? There's this ongoing relationship that we have with him. But sometimes Christians struggle, and, and, and it, it's normal to a degree with unanswered prayer with prayers that go unanswered. You know, think of who, who are some of the greatest race car drivers of all time. I'm not a race car guy. I'm not a race car buff. If you know some, just uh, yell out their names. Andretti, Mario Andretti. Isn't Mario a video game? I'm kidding. I know about Mario Andretti. But I'm thinking of a guy whose last name starts with an E. Earnhardt, everybody knows the Earnhardt name, even if you're not into racing. Well, it's interesting. Max Helton was a chaplain that he prayed with uh, Dale Earnhardt before he uh, rode in the 2001 Daytona 500. They held hands together outside the car. He cried out to God, Lord, give him wisdom. Give Dale safety on this race. It may all work out great, you know. Please, Lord, protect him, and so forth. And guess what? He was killed during that race. So you could understand where Max Helton would be struggling with, wow, how come that prayer wasn't answered? And we all have unanswered prayers at times. Usually not that consequential, that, with that much you know, gravity, but some serious unanswered prayers. And... and, and I don't think unanswered prayer is a bad thing necessarily. It can be. But I think unanswered prayer could be a really good thing. Because if I'm having my prayers unanswered, what's that going to make me do? Now I could do one of two things. I could start doubting God, or I could start doubting myself. Hmm. Which would be the better one to doubt? Myself, not God. The Bible says that, you know, that with the Lord, you know, 
that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the, comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or what? Shadow of turning. God is light, First John, and there's no darkness at all. Amen? God is perfectly good, the scriptures say. There's no darkness. There's no shadow of turning. There, you could never fault him. The, will not the creator of all the earth, as Abraham said in the book of Genesis, do what's right? Amen? It's his nature. His nature is good. He can't blow it. It's impossible for God to blow it. So if I'm having a struggle with unanswered prayer, that is oftentimes God's way of showing me that I need to examine where I'm at. Now, it doesn't mean I automatically have a super big problem. It could be a super big problem. Maybe there's sin in my life, right? Maybe there is a misunderstanding of what I, my expectations of the Lord, uh, his will in my life. It could be a myriad of things. So it's a really, really important study, a really, really good thing for us to work through in our walk with God. Lord, I'm praying for this. How come it's not being answered? You know, maybe you're praying for a career change or you're praying for a friend or you're praying for a spouse or you're praying for your children or a child or a, a lot of different things, you know. There, and there's a lot of variables. And this is something that we have to be very, very considerate about and prayerful about itself. Lord, help me understand, you know, why my prayers may not be answered in certain areas. But also we have to understand that there's incredible and profound complexities, not with regard to the simplicity of just crying out to God, and, and having a sense of expectation. But as far as the variables that go into what we might be going through, where we might be at, what God's will might be regarding a specific situation, amen? You know, uh, so all those things are important to talk about. Because, uh, you know, I'm sure Max Helen was like, wow, it says ask, you receive, and I asked for him to have protection. And, you know, how come he died this time, you know? And it's not always that simple. I can go to Acts 12 and I can show you you know, they were praying for the apostles. Great persecution came. And I can show you where, guess what? Peter's life was spared. But James, the apostle James, not the apostle Peter, he was martyred. He was killed. Just a few verses apart. So it's not always so simple, you know. They pray, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes things turn out totally different. Think, you think the mothers of the children of Israel, they weren't praying for their children when Herod was king? Yet how many of their children were slaughtered? Yet Jesus was what? Protected. And they went into Egypt. So it's not always, you cannot have a cookie-cutter view of God. You op absolutely need to understand that God's not partial, right? That God's full of mercy, that there's no shadow of turning to him. But he doesn't always, he's always consistent with his righteousness, his holiness. That's why I did a message a few weeks back on the attributes of God. Because I want you to know, who is this God? He's perfectly faithful. Faithful to bring Israel back and becoming a nation again. Amen? Doesn't matter how many so-called woke people are chanting curses upon Israel. And you know what I'm saying? Doesn't matter. God's going to still do his deal because he's perfect. And people are blind. Amen? Amen? So he's faithful. We know all that. That's good. So it's very, very important for us to study the Bible and understand the holiness of God's character. Understand the righteousness. Understand the om omnipotence, the power of God. Right? Not only will not the... Uh, not only will the king of all the earth do what's right, but he has the power. In Job 42, Job says, I know that Yahweh's will, you know, God's will, you know, that God's ways, that God is never thwarted. Amen? So it's important that we understand that. So what are some of the reasons for unanswered prayer? Well, 
Sometimes, on a, and, and when I gave one of these reasons, I'll say, oh, this is why this prayer didn't go, get answered. No, it may or may not be true in regard, because there's a lot of different potential answers. It's never because God is bad, because God isn't gracious, because God doesn't love you. None of those things are true. But it's because we ask sometimes one reason, one reason, and, and instead of giving you a bunch of reasons, because I've done studies like this a couple times, and I never refer to my old studies on this subject, and 99.9% .9 of the subjects I've taught on, I always want it to be fresh. Every once in a while I'll say, ooh, man, there was a lot of really good stuff in that study. I'm going to go consult that as well as that. But that's very rare that I do that. But uh, wrong motives. So I'm going to have, you know, this, these, if you listen to three or four messages I've done through the years on unanswered prayer, they'll all be a bit different. And one of the reasons is wrong motives. You ask with wrong motives. James 4.3 says, And when you ask, you do not receive. So yeah, you ask, but you do not receive. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives that you may squander it on your pleasures. You know? So sometimes people are asking God. There's a ton of people, millions of people that pray to God, but it's because they want something to increase their pleasures, but they're not concerned about God's will at all. Anybody ever run into non-believers who say, I pray, I prayed for this, I prayed for that, but they don't want anything to do with God. They don't want anything to do with being holy. Holiness is a, you know, where you think the F word's a bad word, they think holiness is a bad word. If they heard you say holy, or they hear you say, man, I love Jesus, they would go, whoa, can't believe you said that. You know, so they want nothing to do with Jesus, but they'll talk about, hey, I prayed for this, and hey, how come I prayed for that it didn't happen? You know? Let's say, let's say you're like, Lord, can you really, God, you know, I, I'm really, please help this happen. Please let this happen. I can't believe you didn't ask my prayer. I prayed for a good deal on my cut of heroin this week. And it just didn't happen. Well, would God answer that prayer? A good cut of, you know, street heroin so you can get high? No. Lord, I really want, you know, this relationship with this, this beautiful woman. You know, God, I thought you put her in my life. And you're praying for this woman and this relationship with her. But you're married to someone else. I mean, should God answer that prayer? Yes or no? No, that's all messed up. But you know, people pray for those kinds of things all the time. Maybe not that dramatically. I'm sure people paid, prayed for drug deals. I have no doubt about it. I'm sure people have prayed for being in the relationship with the wrong person. That happens all the time for people that aren't married as well. How many times do you have believers praying for a relationship with an unbeliever? How come God's not answering my prayer? Well, he says not to be unevenly yoked together, right? A lot of prayers go unanswered because we want it to be about our pleasures, you know? If I, I could tell you right now, if I said, Lord, Lisa and I, we've served you diligently for years and years and years. Could you just set me up with some kind of mansion in the Fiji Islands for the rest of my life? I would not dare pray that. God would not answer that prayer, I believe. That's not my heart. But I would be, but that would be messed up because I know he has what his will is for me in this life. And unless he says otherwise, I plan on serving him until I can't. Well, can't you? I mean, with the internet, Joe, and, you know, you know, social media and the computer and computers and the technology, man, you could serve him effectively from the Fiji Islands. No, I don't think so. You know, I want to be fellowship with my brothers and sisters anyway. You can only stare at water for so long, you know. And it's overrated in this world because if you're not serving the Lord and relating to him and walking with him and serving him, your joy gets messed up quick. Remember the message I just did? And I showed a whole video on it. 
uh, on you know, super, super celebrities and darkness, depression, the devil. There's almost, by the way, that was about a month, just over a month ago, maybe a month or two now. That has like a quarter million views already. Almost. It has like 235, 240,000 views. Uh, and praise God, it's resonated with a lot of people. If you look at the comments, people are like, thank God, you know, I knew. And a lot of people are like, yeah, it's empty. It's empty. Well, there was a big actor, time actor. I'd never seen one episode of Friends. Okay? Just so you know. So I'm like, who is this guy? Okay? But uh, what was his name, by the way? Matthew Perry. Matthew Perry, right? Had it all. He is the most beloved actor on that show I read. It was totally empty. You know, same deal. In and out of uh, drug rehab centers 10 or 12 times. I don't know. They haven't disclosed unless I, because I haven't really checked the news all day, most of the day today because I've been busy. But um, so far they haven't disclosed how he died. I don't know how he died unless it's come out and I missed it. But it's heartbreaking. Your heart just breaks because you know the answer is Jesus. Amen. But if I'm involved, and not that he was involved in drugs or alcohol still, I don't know. A lot of people said he wasn't doing it anymore. I don't know. Sometimes you hear that and they were. I don't know. But if you're not going to bow the knee to the Lord, you're not going to have the joy of the Lord. Amen. If you're trying to get pleasure out of things in this world but rejecting the Lord, you're never going to be satisfied, the Bible says. You have to go to your Creator. And also another reason... And you could go here, go to Psalm chapter 66, verse 18. Another reason that, you know, we have, you know, we have prayers that go unanswered is uh, Psalm 66, 18 tells us why. Psalm 66, 18, it says, If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will what? The Lord will what? Not hear. Amen? So if you're like involved, if you're a man... In a, or a woman, because women do this too sometimes. It's not as prevalent as men. And you're involved in pornography, and you're refusing to repent of it, and it's just your thing. You say, man, you know what? There's no scripture against it. Yeah, there is. Jesus talked about, you know, looking at a woman with lust, right? In other words, wanting to have sexual relationship with her physically, doing it that your heart. He said it's adultery. It's sin, you know. And we read in Psalm 66, 18, if I regard sin or iniquity or wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. You have to repent of that. You have to turn from that. And if we refuse to turn and repent of it, he's not going to hear our prayers. So, and by the way, uh, there's a ton of men that are going to church that aren't repenting of pornography. And this is a real practical thing in your life. If you're involved in pornography, you need to repent of it. You're hurting yourself. It's not going to give you joy. It's not going to help you grow in the Lord. It's not going to help you become more like Jesus. It's not going to bless you in your relationship with your spouse if you're married or help you to be in a solid relationship in the future, is it? It's going to be very, very destructive. You know what prayer the Lord will hear if you're involved in pornography? Lord, give me strength to overcome this and help me hate it. And don't just pray that once. Continue to pray that. And Lord, help me walk in the Spirit so I don't fulfill the desires of flesh. Amen? Amen. Help me obey you. Jesus says, if you, you know, struggle, he, he said in Matthew chapter 26 to his disciples who were falling asleep while they were praying, he said, you know, pray that you do not enter into temptation. 
The Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. So if you think you don't need to pray to overcome sin, then you're in a, you're in a bad spot too because you're not just going to walk around in your flesh and be strong. Paul said, I put no confidence in the flesh. You can't put confidence in your own strength. But Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you pray, Father, help me hate sin. Help me see it the way you see it. And help me detest it. Help it to be an ugly stench in my nose. And help me fear you and love you and recognize that you're going to judge me if I don't repent of this. If you're a child of God and you fall into it, he's going to spank you. As many as I love Jesus, says, I rebuke and chasten. Amen. So he's going to take you to the woodshed. And then he warns that when he disciplines you in Hebrews 12, don't harden your heart, right? Don't tune God out. Amen? To lift up the hands that are, you know, and the legs that are out of joy. Stay on the straight and narrow road. For that, that, and he says he disciplines you so you'll be a partaker of his what? Holiness. For without holiness, no one will what? See the Lord. Then he says, don't let, let a root of bitterness spring up in you. When God disciplines you, don't get bitter. God, why are you disciplining? Why am I going through this? Well, you need to let go of your sin. He disciplines you to let go of your sin. But if you refuse to let go of your sin, he'll increase the discipline because he loves you. And he wants you to be a partaker of his holiness. And he says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. He says, see to it that no root of bitterness springs up in you. And that none of you fail the grace of God, as did Esau, who was a fornicator and sold his birthright for one meal. Right? Don't go that route. I'm not saying if you've fallen into any sin in the past, it's over. The question is, are you still in it? Are you refusing to let go of it? You know, and it reminds me, sometimes I've told the story, I've told it in years, but of the monkey and how they catch monkeys, you know, in, in some of the Asian countries. And they'd simply just take a coconut, hollow out the coconut, tie it to a tree, put some banana in the coconut or some fruit, put a little tiny hole in the coconut, you know, just enough for a monkey to get its little paw in there, right? And grab that piece of fruit. Then guess what the hunters do? They just walk up to the monkey and it starts screaming and crying out and it's trying to get away. It's got time. It could just split. But what is it doing? It doesn't want to let go of that fruit. And it's screaming and screaming and then they just throw a net over it and it's bash its brains in. Well, that's the thing about sin. Sin doesn't satisfy you. It never does satisfy you. Let it go. Realize that the Bible talks about the deceitfulness of sin. Right? Talks about the deceitfulness of riches. Sin deceives us. And James says, you know, let no one say when he's tempted, he's being tempted by God because God cannot be tempted by evil. And God doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Right? And then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And then when sin is accomplished, it brings death. He says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. So that's our own, by our own volition, we can choose a life of sin and destruction. But God wants us to not be deceived by sin. Hate sin. Love God. There's passages that in the scripture, like Romans 12 and elsewhere, where it talks about hating what's evil. Amen? We need to hate evil. And that's a good prayer. I love the fact that the scriptures say if we ask anything in accordance with his will, we have it. I know it's God's will that I hate evil. So I say, God, help me hate evil. Praise the Lord can hate evil, and I can grow in my hatred of evil. Help me love you. Help me hate evil. Because we're commanded to love God, and we're called to hate evil. And that's a great way, because I want evil to be a stench in my life. I don't want to be anything that is close to my door, anything that I would long for. But we need to be biblically minded. You need to be in the Word. 
Because if you're not in the Word, guys, and praise God you're here tonight, or praise God you're watching my live stream tonight, that's good. Because guess what? In Hebrews chapter 5, it talks about those who are babes in Christ, and they can't discern between good and evil because the Scriptures say they're not experienced with the Word of God. That's why they're babes in Christ. And little babies are less experienced. Just like it's really easy to deceive a baby. You hear that old saying? It's like taking candy from a baby. Okay? It's really easy to take a piece of candy from a baby. You just trick the baby somehow. But guess what? You can't trick somebody who's in the Word of God, who can distinguish between good and evil, if they're abiding in Christ, if they're prayerful, if they're in the Word. So we need to be in the Word so we can make a distinction between that which is good and evil. I mean, think of how much of the body of Christ is deceived right now. Think of how many professing Christians are going after, you know, all kinds of, like, New Apostolic Reformation stuff and preterism and all these theologies and eschatologies and these, you know, soteriological viewpoints that are not, you know, scriptural as well. And we need to be in the Word to discern between good and evil. So uh, it's important that we recognize that our heart, God wants us to, to have to grow in our knowledge of the word so we can know that our prayers, we pray in according to his word. In fact, Proverbs 15.8 says, the sacrifice of the wicked, this is interesting, the sacrifice of the wicked as an abomination to the Lord. Now that sacrifice sometimes is used in the context of prayer. And it is here. It's like a, a sacrifice was like, the, the, the psalmist talks about lifting my hands as a sacrifice to you, Lord. His prayer is as the evening prayer. But listen to this. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. You know, if your heart's right with God, your prayers are a delight to God. I love it when my children and my grandchildren come to me with requests and their hearts are right with God. You know? But if one of my grandchildren wants a hammer and I'm like, hi, one of my grandchildren is waving to me. Hi, hi, Galilee. <laughs> But if Galilee comes up and asks me for a hammer, and I said, what for, Gal? She goes, because I want to I hit Eli. I'm going to say, okay, her heart's not right. I love you, honey, but I'm not answering that request because you're regarding iniquity in your heart. She's like, what's iniquity, you know? <laughs> She's what? Just a few years old there. But, uh, oh, she just turned four. I apologize, Gal. I love you. So anyway, uh, unforgiveness, that's a big one. Go to... Go to Mark eleven, twenty-five. Mark eleven, twenty-five. And this is a very important one. And I talk about unforgiveness quite a bit through the years because it's such an important topic. And I believe it's addressed so many times in Scripture because it's a problem that people struggle with. And I usually go to Matthew six, the Lord's Prayer, or Matthew eighteen, the unmerciful servant, or First Peter chapter three, sometimes. But I like this one as well. I, I go here once in a while. I mention, I don't know if I've ever had you turn there, but Mark eleven twenty five. And when you stand praying, I love that. When you stand praying. A lot of people think, if I'm praying, I've got to be kneeling down. No, Yeah, kneeling down is a great place to pray. Sitting down is a great place to pray. Rain, laying down. I can show you all those postures in Scripture. Jesus in Gethsemane on his knees, right? You know? The psalmist, when I'm in bed praying, you know? Jesus, you know, in Gethsemane on his knees again, again you know? Uh, you have these different scriptures, but you have uh, this right here. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, what? Forgive them so that your what? Father in heaven may forgive your sins. I love that, you know? And a lot of times when I do premarital counseling 
almost every time I've done premarital counseling. I go to 1 Peter 3 and I show, and I go to Ephesians 5 and various passages, but I go to 1 Peter 3 and when I'm explicating the scriptures on the role of the husband, I tell him, look at the warning here. You're warned in scripture to dwell with your wife in an understanding way as the weaker vessel, right? And it says, considering her a joint heir of the grace of life. And I let him know it. Your wife does not exist for your pleasure. It's not a parasitical relationship to where she exists so you can get pleasure from her. That's one reason you both exist, so you can be blessed by each other. But that's not the sole reason she exists. She's created an image of God. And yes, she's your helpmate. And that's incredibly beautiful. But she's a servant of the Most High God as well. And she's a joint heir of the kingdom with you. You're partners. In Christ, there's neither male nor female in regards to who belongs to Jesus, how we're saved by grace through faith, amen, our eternal destinies. We just have different roles. But it says that you're supposed to dwell with an understanding way. In a knowing way, the Greek word gnosis there is used means to know in a knowing way. And you have to, and it says because you need to understand she's a weaker vessel. That God has made her as this exquisite picture of the bride, of Christ's bride. She's a picture of the bride of Christ. So she's made to depend on the husband's strength to a degree as the church is to depend on Christ. Amen? And I sometimes will say, she's like a champagne glass and you're like a root beer mug. Or she's like silk and you're like denim. Okay? Doesn't mean the, 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 the silk is less valuable. It's a fabric that's beauty is based on its, on its fragility to a degree, right? That's what part makes it so beautiful. And there's a picture there. But you need to treat her gently, you know? You need to make sure she's a joint heir. And Peter goes on to say, so your prayers are not hindered. So if you mistreat your wife and you're unforgiving and mean-spirited toward her and you're using bad language and, 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 and you're treating her with scorn and you expect the Lord and you're refusing to forgive her because she's going to fall short, you're going to fall short, and you expect the Lord to forgive you, but you're not forgiving your wife, you're not being loving toward her, you're not saying, you know, I need, man, Lord forgave me, you know, I've done more to him than she's ever done to me. Lord, help me have love toward her, help me forgive her. He says your prayers will be hindered. That's why it's important to examine our hearts when prayers go unanswered. Sometimes men have unanswered prayer many times, probably tens of thousands of times through the years because they are mean-spirited toward their wives. And they're wondering why their prayers aren't getting answered. What's it, the FAA, the, was it the Federal Aviation Association? They go and they inspect all the, you know, planes. And they don't let them fly unless they pass an inspection because it can be very dangerous, right? Well, God, expect, God examines our hearts and he doesn't let our prayers fly. They don't get past the ceiling, man, if our hearts are not right with God and we're not loving one another. And right here he says, if, you have, if you're not, for, you know, look what he says. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. Forgive them. And then he says, why? So that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. That's so heavy to me. So unforgiveness is one of the great reasons uh, regarding iniquity in your heart unforgiveness, also because you want to spend your, prayer, your, your prayers all about you, self-centered, pleasures. And I know that's one of the main reasons because Jesus said, Paul said, last days terrible times would come and people have a form of godliness but deny its power. There'll be a lot of professing Christians but they'll deny the power of God. Why? Because they'll be lovers of self. So a lot of people are loving themselves. So if they're loving themselves, they're going to have a hard time with sin. They're going to have a hard time with unforgiveness. They're going to have a hard time with putting God before pleasures, right? So you need to get your eyes off yourself. 
and put on the Lord. And then there's power with God when you deny yourself, take up your cross, follow him, and then you're praying for his glory. Amen? Then all of a sudden you start seeing prayers get answered. And I've, I love it, man. I've been a Christian a long time, and I've seen by the grace of God a lot of prayer answered because I'm seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness, and I'm able to see his hand and him do wonderful things, divine appointments, salvation, people coming to Christ because we're crying out for God's will to be done. You know, it doesn't mean there's times where I'm like, Lord, I don't understand why that's not getting answered. But that's a good thing because guess what? It makes me say, okay, am I praying according to God's will? Am I being patient? You know? So God uses all of this. First of all, I'll go to 1 John 5. This is a big one, guys. This is a really, really big one. Very, very important. Okay? Uh, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he what? He hears us. Did you catch that? This is the confidence that we have toward him. If we ask anything in accordance with his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. We have to ask in accordance with God's will. And you know, a lot of people just, they're asking things out of God's will. And I gave some examples of that earlier, right? That would fit with one of the other scriptures that I gave. Now, sometimes people get stressed out. Man, you know what? And they get stressed out, and they're too stressed to pray sometimes. When the very thing, if they would pray instead of be stressed, and they'd pray instead of worry, they'd have way less anxiety. In fact, their anxiety would eventually be cured, at least to a great degree. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching, reaching forward to what lies ahead. And a lot of times we don't have peace because we're focused on the past, on something that happened in the past, and it consumes us, the way somebody hurt us, how we were treated. And, you know, I counseled a woman years and years ago who was all caught up in her past so much, and she was in tears, crying over it. And it broke my heart. And she gave me a call. I think she's from Lancaster. A guy was coming to the church for some time. Did I just bring up this story? Okay. So I did to somebody recently. And uh, a, a young man wanted me to, you know, talk to his mom. And I talked to her. And she was crying. And she had a really terrible relationship with her husband. And she was saying, because, you know, he's not sympathetic to what I've gone through and all this. And uh, it broke my heart. But I told her she has to let go of the past. And it was consuming her. And she told me what happened in the past. She said when she was two years old, Satanists would break into her home when her parents were asleep and would kidnap her. They would molest her and sexually do deviant things in these satanic rituals. Then before her parents woke up, they'd put her back in the crib. And then they'd do it over again, night after night after night after night. And it was horrible. And she's crying and she's feeling this intense pain. And I asked her, I said, Miss, I go, Mrs., I go, ma'am, I probably said, I was young, so I might have said, ma'am. I said, how did they, what, what happened here? Oh, was there any evidence that this was happening? Well, no. Do you remember it happening? No. I, oh, how, how do you know this happened? Well, the therapist I've been seeing has helped me recover my memories, and my therapist told me this is what happened to me. 
And that was a big part of the satanic panic in the 80s when there was stuff. So a lot of people got their eyes off what was really happening with a lot of Satanism and focusing on all this weird stuff. And she said, no, that's what my therapist told me. And her old, I go, you know what? Paul said, forgetting those things that are behind. First of all, I said, I don't think this happened to you. You have no evidence of it. And a lot of so-called therapists, a lot of professing Christian therapists started filling people with, their, with past experiences that never happened. I said, look, you don't remember any of it. The only thing that one that remembers it is your therapist helping you try to remember things that you can't possibly remember when you were two years old. And I, I can tell you right now, thousands, I don't know how many thousands of people have been wiped out spiritually because they've sat under, been given false memories of the past. Now, but let's say it actually happened, I said. Let's say it did happen. Look what Paul said. Paul was having Christians killed. But he said, forgetting those things that are behind. Reaching forward to the high calling of Christ Jesus. Amen. You need to get your eyes off of Jesus. You need, I mean, on Jesus. You need to get your eyes off of that past experiences, so-called, and get your eyes on Jesus. Amen? And for the sake of your own walk with God, this is consuming you. And she ended up, she ended up having a, what, you know, they call it multiple personality disorder at that time. And what happens, a lot of people, therapists, they deal with people, and they would develop these so-called multiple personality disorders. They'd open themselves up to demonic entities. And they'd be all messed up. And you know what? Your salvation is in the Lord. Amen? And godly counsel is good. Amen? But when you're getting unbiblical counsel, it can really throw you off. And all of a sudden, she just had all this bitterness toward her husband because he wasn't understanding, toward her parents because they didn't protect her, toward the ritualist, the Satanists because of what they were supposedly doing in the past. And she got her eyes off of Jesus. So we need to make sure we don't get focused on the past and let the past... Keep us from relating to our Father who loves us. Amen? Amen? Now, look at Philippians chapter 4. So what if you are dealing with some anxiety? Well, you need to take that anxiety to the Lord. You need to take that stress to the Lord. You need to cry out to Him. In Philippians 4, verse 4, I love this. And I start here instead of, you know, a lot of people want to start at verse 6. I think that's important. But verse 4 comes before it because we're commanded more than once in Philippians. And Paul's writing this from a prison. You say, well, oh, Paul, you know, he had an easy life. No. Paul had one of the hardest lives of anybody you ever read about in history. Yet he's rejoicing in prison. He says to other Christians, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be, uh, be known to all men. The Lord is what? Near. Be anxious. And that can be understood that he's coming soon or the Lord is near. I Meaning he's close to you. Okay? Uh, but either way, both of those are true compared to the, how long eternity is. And then in verse 6, Be anxious for what? Does it say be anxious for just a few things? No, be anxious for nothing. But in what? Everything by prayer and supplication, petitions to God, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. You're commanded, I'm commanded, to rejoice in the Lord. Well, wait a minute, how can I rejoice? Do you know what I'm going through, Joe? Look at the context. Paul's in prison. You're commanded to rejoice. He's rejoicing. How can I rejoice? Because if you do what he's saying, you can rejoice even when you're going through harsh times. Why? Because if you're in prison like Paul is and you're being persecuted, no fault of your own, but you're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and you're going through those hard times because guess what? You can rejoice because you can let your prayers and your, your requests, your, your supplications be known to the Lord, right? With thanksgiving. That's the key. In the midst of of the hard time you're going through, remember to be thankful. I know this is like a pre-Thanksgiving message, right? We're not at Thanksgiving yet. But let's get a head start. How many of you realize there's always things for a believer to be thankful for? Amen. Yeah. 
Well, what, Joe? Well, come on, you know. They come back saying, Jesus, we had power to cast out demons, man. It worked. Your name is so powerful. We cast out all these demons. He says, don't rejoice that you have the power to cast out demons, but rejoice in what? That your name's written in heaven. Right? When you're praying, you can be going through the most horrific thing in your life, and you can say, thank you, Lord, for my salvation. And that helps you have perspective. Perspective is everything. Amen? You have an eternal perspective. You know what? My name is written in heaven. I'm saved because of what Jesus Christ did. That's more important than anything I'm going through right now. Amen? That I'm going to heaven and not hell. So thank you, Lord, for my salvation. Amen? Thank you for your great love for me. Thankful, thank you, Father, that you are unchanging, that you're eternal, that you're faithful. Amen? So you pray with thanksgiving in your heart, and then you let him know your request. And then what's the result of that? Verse 7, and then what happened? And the what? Peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He's going to give you peace. Guess what? You may not get out, you may not get healed of a disease. You might die of something horrible. You may not get out of some situation that you're in, that you brought upon yourself, or that circumstances just the enemy brought upon you, or that God allowed for some reason. But guess what? You can have peace in the midst of the storm. Amen? Because you're doing what God's called you to do. Because you're focused on the big picture. I am saved. That trumps everything. Amen? Amen. But man, I'm going through a real hard time now, Lord. But I'm thankful. And I'm, so Paul was doing that. He's rejoicing. And he's, he's thanking God earlier in this chapter, the first couple chapters, chapter 1 of Philippians. He's rejoicing. He's boasting the Lord that people are hearing the gospel even though he's in prison. And that God's used his time in prison and given a prison ministry where people among the Praetorium Guard are even getting saved. He's like rejoicing. If you have your eyes on spiritual things and you're seeking God, you're going to, be, you're going to see fruit. Because if you abide in his word, the scriptures say you will bear fruit. Now, it's important to get this and understand because, well, it's like, Joe, I'm doing all that. I'm doing all that. I'm, I'm praying. I'm letting Mary Christ be new God. I'm being thankful. But man, I'm still, I'm getting attacked. I'm going through horrible things. My, I have these nightmares all the time and, and so forth. Well, Okay, now you might be going through attacks. Job has some bad nightmares that can happen. Enemy can attack you that way. But are, are you making sure it's the nightmare is a result of you seeking Jesus like Job did? Or are you watching like filthy movies, horror movies that glorify evil all the time? And you're addicted to horror movies. Well, yeah, I do have kind of a horror movie addiction, Joe. Well, does that fit the very next verse? Read it, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is what? True. Whatever is honorable. Whatever is right. Whatever is pure. Whatever is lovely. Horror movies are not lovely. And guys, by the way, guys, I like to be scared. I understand, you know. I like a good, you know, movie that's clean, uh, that's a you know, crime movie, but, you know, where evil isn't glorified or, you know, suspense, you know, those kind of things. I like those once in a while. But guess what? I don't like movies that glorify evil, where evil wins and it's, and, 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 you know, and it's just demonic and all the music's demonic and it's trying to, it's creepy and just, and, and, Jesus isn't exalted, that doesn't really glorify God. Amen? Amen? You know? So whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. You know, are you listening to music that glorifies getting drunk and, and having sex outside of marriage and all that? And is that really from God? And, you know, Paul says, you know, that godly chat, uh, uh, you know, ungodly chatter leads to more ungodliness, right? 
So if you're constantly putting garbage in, the Bible says you'll get garbage out. Jesus says the good man draws from the good that's stored up in his heart and the evil man from the evil that's stored up in his heart. You want to store up good in your heart, amen? amen? How many of you are okay with me just preaching truth and just being sincere before the Lord saying, hey, we need to do what's right that pleases God. I hope, you, I hope that's what you want. That's why you're here. Hope you're not here to get your ears tickled, amen? And say, man, I can't, man. First he's on my horror movies. You know, then he's on my, movie, my, my music that glorifies getting drunk and having sex with everybody. What kind of church is this? After all, I thought there were Christians here. Well, yeah, we are. You know, I love you. I'm going to speak the truth. And I know it doesn't always go over well, sometimes even at Blessed Hope Chapel, unfortunately. But it's interesting. We have to make sure we're focused on the Lord, guys. Because if I'm regarding the iniquity in my heart and I'm wanting to have songs that glorify getting drunk, you know, and, and, and chasing women and all that, you know. You know what? You know, did you notice I don't ever give you very specifics and say, if you listen to this band, you're going to hell. I don't do that. I just give you principles and I encourage you to apply them. But when you start applying biblical principles, a whole swath of things go out the door. Well, what if it's not real super clear? Well, that's going to be between you and the Lord. We're not legalistic. We never brought somebody before the fellowship and said, you're out of here, man. You know, because, you know, you listen to Taylor Swift. You're out of here. By the way, watch our last Taylor Swift video. And we show where she's, I mean, we got, we put it out a couple days ago. It's already like, I don't know, 60,000, 64,000. Doug's always on this stuff. 64,000 views and just, a, you know, a day and a half, two days or whatever. Uh, and because, and it's called From High School Sweetheart, Taylor Swift, From High School Sweetheart to Provocative Witch. And I show you over and over again where she's promoting witchcraft and her music now on Twitter, and she's encouraging. And we saw it coming. We've been, we've been warning this. It's an accident, guys. You know, Satan uses a lot of people. You know, but come on, guys. Anyway, uh, I was okay with the horror movies, Joe. I was okay with coming against pornography. I would, but Taylor Swift, man. Really? I mean, she's been with like how many guys through the years? I mean, jumps from guy to guy to guy. And then she writes songs about these guys. What a gossip. I'm sorry. You know? She <laughs> makes money off exploiting her past relationships. It's just not, it's not godly before the witchcraft. Okay? So, and I could actually say, I have to be honest, if you ask me to name how one song goes in the melody, I would not know it. But I praise the Lord I don't know it, you know? Because I'd rather know the songs of the Lord. Amen? So uh, go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus says in verse 24, and this is important about worry. No one can, say, no one can serve two masters, for either you hate the one or love the other. No one can be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in what? Wealth or money. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. Right? And to what? <laughs> and... and and I think this is important. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat, what you will drink, nor uh, for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing, says Jesus. Here's the creator of all things saying this to us. Look at the birds of the air, and they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? That reminds me of him saying, a bird sold for a penny, a couple birds, right? 
but you're worth far more than, you know, many birds. Verse 27. And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. Right? And they do not toil, nor do they, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon, who is one of the richest, you know, wisest kings ever, right? I say one of the wisest because Jesus is the wisest now, right? Uh, yes, I say to you that not even Solomon, all his glory, clothed himself like one of these. But if God clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown in the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what we will, will we eat or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Now, this is key. Because you can say, okay, I'm not supposed to worry about these things. I'm supposed to cast my cares upon him. I love, by the way, we just went to 1 Peter 4, right? Verses, uh, you know, uh, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. About not being worried about anything, but with, you know, in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. That's a key. You know, let your request be made known to God, and he'll give you that peace that passes human understanding. Amen. Guard your heart. That's beautiful. But here Jesus is saying, again, don't worry. But what if you say, okay, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to pray, right? But then you don't. You say, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to pray. You pray, but then you just go do your own thing the next day. You don't wake up saying, Father, your will be done today. You don't wake up saying, Father, hallowed be your name. You don't wake up saying, I'm going to take up my cross and put Jesus first. And you start living for yourself tomorrow. If you do that, you're going to worry again. You're going to be filled with anxiety again. Why? Because you're being disobedient to the very next verse. Look what Jesus says in verse 33. Are you obeying the scripture? But seek first the what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what? All these things will be added to you. He's going to take care of you. Amen? But it's only if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That means you are saying, man, Jesus, come Lord Jesus. Amen? I'm living for you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as heaven. That, you have a prayer life. You're, you're seeking to be a witness so people can come to Christ, so people will be prepared and other people will be saved, just, not just you and some folks that you know, but you want to be the witness to the lost. You put him first in your life, and then guess what? You're living for him, and you know, I don't got to worry. That's been my life by the grace of God. Just pff, seeking Jesus. And I can tell you right now, man, if you look at our ministry and all the things the Lord's doing, Glory to God is not by my doing. I can't tell you all the people God's put in my life, the team of, of, of brothers and sisters that are all around me. It's all he's doing. I'm like, Lord, I trip out on what you've done. And all I'm like, this, this guy that should have been just shut out of the kingdom and down forever, God saves by his grace, right? Then he's doing all these wonderful things to our ministry. And guess what I do? I just wake up in the morning and say, Lord, you're first. Help me glorify you. Hallowed be your name. And a lot of times that comes at four, five, six in the morning, you know. And I pray to go back to sleep. Lord, let me fall asleep. But if you want to keep me up so I can keep praying, praise the Lord. That's good too, Lord. Because I want to be in your will and I want to be prayed up. And, and then he just does all these crazy good things. But here you are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen. If you're here today and you're like, yeah, I want Jesus. That's why I'm here, Joe. And I'm, we're with you, man. We're in the word, in, in the word together. We're seeking. Praise God. Don't worry. He'll take care of you. Amen. If there's a, you know, a hiccup or whatever in your walk, praise God, you're being tested. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep seeking first his kingdom. Amen. Ask in faith. Trust the Lord. When you hear me, somebody said, why do you use the word trust so often when you talk about faith? Because I think, I think part of that is because the word faith movement has really twisted faith into a force. Right? 
They make faith a force. Just believe enough in the power of your faith. We did a whole thing on the, manif- the true manifestation of evil, which I encourage you to hear if you have not seen that. That video came out last week. And for a video that's over an hour long, that's got like going on 50,000 views pretty soon. And it's all in the, the manifestation movement right now. We have actors and actresses and pop stars and athletes saying, I spoke it. I'm so-called Christians. I'm speaking into existence. We're manifesting the future. They're all talking like that. It's witchcraft. And we go into that. Okay? So I talk, I, when I talk about faith, faith means trust. It's a great synonym for faith is trust. It's not the power of your belief that does things as though that's taught in the secret, you know, and all these occult things that you have the right thoughts, you say the right words, it, 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 you know, your words come out, or your thoughts come out, and there's a molecular, you know, a physiological uh, or, or a thing that goes on with molecules and physics where realities change. No, that's witchcraft, really. You're opening yourself to demons. It's not the molecules changing things. It's demons working for you. If you're right. But what we do, we rely on the mighty God, amen? We trust him. Our faith is about trusting him. Put our faith in him. Amen. Lord, you are the creator of the universe. Your will be done. And Father, I ask you to move a mountain, please. You know, And he could do it. And if he wants you to move a demon, come out of them in the name of Jesus, yeah, he could do that too. Because you're speaking in accordance with his will, but it's not your words that are doing it. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When you line up with the will of God. Amen. So we have to walk in faith. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord. That's faith. Trust the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths what? Straight. Don't be double-minded. Ask in faith. Trust the Lord. Look to the one who created you, who loves you. Amen? And James says in verse 5, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men, all people generously and without reproach. He's not going to rebuke you and reproach you because you're asking. But then James says, but you must ask in faith without doubting. For the double-minded man shall receive nothing from the Lord. Amen? Being unstable in all his ways. You don't want to be double-minded. That keeps prayers from being answered as well. Being double-minded keeps prayers from being answered. So it's very, very critical that we get this right. And you know what? I told my wife, I have a short message tonight. When have I ever, ever had a short message, Lord? And guess what? I'm like, nine pages, simple scriptures, so easy to share. And I've got, man, we're going to have a part two on this. This is an important topic, amen? It's a very, very important topic. So we're going to have a part two on this because I saved a lot of the best for last. And we're talking about our prayer lives. We're talking about our walk with God. We're talking about growing in in our understanding of his will and having more intimacy with him. But I want to share this with you. One of the beautiful things about not getting prayers answered right away is it challenges us to look to the Lord and to cry out to him and to have intimacy with him. If my children or my grandkids could just go and push buttons every time they wanted something from us and not even talk to us, how good would our relationship be with them and theirs with us? Pretty weak, amen? Sometimes we have to wrestle with the Lord in prayer, amen? And that's good because we get to know him that way. We get to know his ways that way, you know, Lord, examine my heart. Search me out. If there be any sinful way in me, you know, uproot it. Deal with it so I can be right with you. A lot of our prayer lives is being right with God and making sure our hearts are right. Amen? So that's the most important prayer is, Lord, help me have a right heart before you. Amen? I might be. I don't know. I'm going to pull it off. i got 15 minutes. I'm hoping not to have a part two at this moment, you know? So I think we're going to pull it off because I'd like to get all this in one. And if I can't, here we go. Okay. So we ask in faith, and we ask without wavering. And 
But this is something important as well, because some people are like, Lord, I asked for this and I didn't get it. And they'll quote for, uh, John 15, verse 7. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. It says ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Yeah, but you missed the first part of that verse. Go to John 15, 7. Go right, let's go there right now. John 15, 7. I thought the time was closing on me more than it was. I'm in, good, I'm in, I'm in okay shape. I'm like, mm, let me see. If you abide in me, are you there? Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words, what? Abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. There's a, there's a condition there. Do you know the word if appears in the King James Version? I haven't counted it in the NASB or NIV. I haven't counted it in the King James either. But I have gone through the NIV, NASB, and King James and looked in columns and tried to just multiply the columns with the word if. There's 1,522 ifs in the King James Bible. There's more of them in the NIV and the NASB, the word if. I was, you know, if is like a little hinge that huge doors swing open or closed on in the, in the scripture. If you abide in my word and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, right? Whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. That means if I'm abiding in Christ, and verses one through six, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit, amen? So if I'm abiding in Christ and I'm seeking his will, and I'm seeking his glory. And I'm praying in accordance with his word, right? And if I'm asking something, what are my prayers going to be like? Are they going to be all about me or are they be about his glory? I'm abiding in him. His word's abiding in me, so I'm going to be praying according to his word. And when you pray in accordance with his word, this is John 15. Remember if we were 1 John chapter 5, verse 14? If we ask anything in accordance with his will, he said we have it. Same, saying the same thing. It's not saying you can ask for, Lord, I want a Rolls Royce. I heard one of these guys, I think, who was it, man? <sighs> man, he had a show on years ago. I think he's still alive. Uh, he was there in uh, the Faith Dome there in L.A. Frederick Price, that's right, Frederick Price. He goes, I, you know, you know, I drive a Rolls Royce, he goes, because guess what? I could pull up to some gangster next to me who's got another big, nice car, and I could roll my window down and say, I got this by following Jesus. You could too, you know. I could be a witness to people you can't be a witness to. I'm like... No, man, you're getting that from all the people giving to your ministry that you said if you give, you'll give back all kinds of money, but you're taking their money and running with it, you know? And uh, if I'm praying for those kinds of things, you know, I, I'm asking amiss. But if I'm praying, Lord, you be glorified in my life. Lord, you create divine appointments. Help me talk to people that you just put in my path and give me words to speak to them. He loves those prayers. How many of you have prayed that God would give you divine appointments and been blown away what happens the next day often? I see heads going like this. If, if you haven't been praying that, say, Lord, give me divine appointments. Help people, me run into people that I could just share the gospel with. That is a, a blows me away through the years. You know, happens all the time. In fact, you know what? I still, I always pray, Lord, your will be done and help me share the gospel, help me to glorify you. I don't pray as much for specific divine appointments because I'm so busy all the time with divine appointments. Because there's all kinds of lost people all the time. But I pray, just pray, your will be done. And sometimes I'll say, if I'm going out witnessing or I'm going somewhere, I'll say, Lord, then I'll pray for divine appointments, you know. But I just pray, Lord, often, oftentimes help me be faithful with what you've given me to do today, Lord. Because I have to, all these fires to always put out by the glory, to the glory of God. And it's a beautiful thing because that's part of sanctification, helping each other grow in Christ and so forth. Now, uh, the Lord wants us sometimes to learn from our struggle when it comes to uh, prayer and, and, uh, and 
grow in our knowledge of him that way. Sometimes he wants us to learn persistence. That's why we don't get our prayers answered right away. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, let's go there. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. It says in verse 1, Now he, speaking of Jesus, was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to what? Pray. I love verse, verse 1 is packed, by the way. He's giving them a parable to show them at what? All times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. That shows me something. Pray it all the time, all day. Pray without ceasing. All times, every day, night, pray, pray, pray. And don't lose heart. Don't quit. And then that's why he gave this parable. Saying to them, if in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man, Jesus said. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. For while he was unwilling, but afterward he, had, he said to himself, even though I do not fear God and I don't respect man, he says, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she's going to wear me out. Verse 6, and the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said? Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay, uh, will he, uh, delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I love how Jesus talks about faith. Faith shows up in praying all the time, right? A man of faith, a woman of faith, she prays. They pray day and night. They seek the Father. That's, that's what Jesus, and he says, you know, will he find faith on earth when, they, when he comes back? That's a sad question. When I see Jesus say that, I'm like, man, that breaks my heart. He's so faithful to us. He's so good. But he's like, will there be faith on the earth? I think, a lot of, I think there's going to be a lot of people whose faith is shattered. Paul warned about our faith becoming shipwrecked, right? Jesus said that we're going to go through horrible times. He says when the tribulation starts, we're going to deliver up to be killed, Right? And the people are going to kill you thinking they're doing God service. I'm telling you these things ahead of time so you don't fall away. So he said, you're going to go through this horrific stuff and many will fall away, he said. Yeah, it's going to happen. But are you praying day and night? See, they're praying. A lot of people are praying, Lord, come and deliver us from the persecution and everything. And they don't get taken out when they want to be taken out. Where's the faith? Their faith needs to be shattered, many people. You need to be persistent, Amen. No matter what goes down and what you have to go through, whether, whether the Lord returns in our lifetime or not, whatever you go through, you hold on to Jesus. You don't stop praying. Amen? Because guess what? Eventually the prayer will be answered. Do you hear me? Eventually the prayer will be answered. Because right here, this widow keeps going to the judge. And he's saying if an unrighteous judge is going to take care of that widow who doesn't fear God, doesn't respect people, but just doing it because he's tired of getting annoyed, how much more will your Father in heaven who does care about you, who does love you, who is just and righteous, how much more will he make sure that he avenges you of your enemies, amen? And your main enemy is Satan, amen? And one day Satan will be thrown in the lake of fire. He's the one that hunts you along with the demonic hordes. But we have human enemies too that hate the gospel, pray for their salvation. But God is going to come through. So it's important to be persistent in prayer. You know, sometimes we talk about God always answers prayer. Not always the way we want it to be answered. There's three answers he gives. You remember those? What are those three answers? Yes, no, and what's the third one? Wait. wait. Here's a wait prayer right here. Jesus taught sometimes we have to just wait. Amen? We need to pray. I mean, think about Jesus, the God of Gethsemane. Remember that? Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. Was his prayer answered, that part of the prayer, yes or no? 
I mean, it wasn't answered in the sense that the cup was taken from him. Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. But it says that he was overwhelmed with sorrow. And you hear him, he's, he cries out, Abba, you know, Abba, Father. His turmoil, the, the pain that he was going through, helped him seek the Father in a deep, intimate way, calling him Abba. When you go through something and you're in pain, like, Lord, how come this has happened in my life? I've been following you. I've been seeking you. I crowd you. I love you. But this is just a, a mess or this situation is tough. And, and all of a sudden you find yourself wrestling in prayer. You're saying, Abba, you ought to be getting closer to the Father through, through your turmoil, through your struggle. Amen? And you ought to be coming to know him better. Paul said that we might know him and that we might know the fellowship of his sufferings. You know how he suffers because his heart breaks because people don't come to him? Well, if everybody that we pray for comes to him and gets saved, we would not know what that's like, would we? So sometimes we enter into his sufferings those ways. There's so many people that I, I pray for. I want them to be in the will of God and know Jesus that I haven't seen come to Christ yet. But I know God is not going to necessarily override their wills. But I do know this. If he died for them, he wants them to know him. Amen. And if he's going to go to the trouble of dying for them, he's going to go to the trouble of wooing them, right, to himself without making them a robot. Amen? So I can count on the fact that he'll convict them and encourage them in the faith. And I love that, uh, well, I love that uh, Jesus, Jesus stands or sits at the right hand of the Father. He knows what it's like to pray and have a prayer unanswered. He can sympathize with you. Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet guess what he continued to say? Yet not my what? My will, but what? Your will be done. Was, and guess what? Ultimately, his prayer was answered because he prayed for the will of the Father. Amen? Amen? So I can always say, but your will be done, Father. And I will always have, an, I'll always have answered prayer. Right? Amen. Because guess what? Ultimately, his will is going to be done. And I can have peace about that. I love Psalm 13, 1. Listen to this. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? This person's dealing with unanswered prayer. How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Enlighten my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him, and my adversaries will rejoice when I am shaken. But I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing the Lord because he has dealt bountifully or good with me. I love that because guess what? Even though he's not seen his exact prayer answer in the exact way he wants it, he says, I will rejoice in my salvation. Remember we talked about that? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Your name is written in heaven. Whatever goes down here is not as a big a deal, a big of deal as you being right with God, your heart being right with him, and being saved. Amen. So you, you operate from a position of strength. You know, and uh, if you could go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul's, I want to talk about Paul's thorn in the flesh. Because Paul also had unanswered prayer. The mighty apostle Paul, who was a prayer warrior, right? Who wrote about half the books of the New Testament. Struggled with unanswered prayer. And we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 7. Paul says, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, because he's getting all these revelations that God's given him. He's writing the half of the New Testament to keep me from exalting myself. Because he, he knew, man, he got all these revelations, but God didn't want to go to his head. Paul, all this wisdom is from me. Not, you're not, you didn't come up with it. And Paul knows that. Paul says, anything we've received, we received from him. Amen. 
but he, he might struggle. So he says, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a what? Thorn in the flesh, man. Imagine, you ever step on a thorn, man? I'm not talking about the little cushy ones that have little tiny things. All. I'm talking about the ones that have a couple sharp things, and you're like, in your backyard, you're like, ah, oh, that one's really hurt. Well, he had one of those, ah, oh, it really hurts kind of thorns, right? And uh, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Wow. Now, we don't know exactly what that thorn was, and we don't have time to get into it because I give you different viewpoints, you know? Perhaps it was Paul dealing with his eyesight, you know? There's indications of that uh, and so forth. Uh, perhaps it was the demonic attacks he was going through. I love the fact that it doesn't, he doesn't say exactly what it was, and I think that's by pur on purpose. So we could all relate. We've all had thorns in our flesh, amen? Uh, but he, God allows him to go through this so he's not exalted in his own... In his own uh, he doesn't exalt himself and say, look at me. And so I think it's important that you look at verse 8 now. Look at what happens. Concerning this, I love this, I implored the Lord three times that it might what? Leave me. How many times did he say, God, take this thorn away from me? Three times. And he said to me, my grace is what? Sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will what? Rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may what? Dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am what? Strong. I love that because he could be indicating that all the stuff he's going through is his thorn in the flesh, that Satan's been stirring up all these things against him. Can't you give me some reprieve, Lord? Can't you give me some rest? We don't know exactly, but I love this. Paul's prayer goes unanswered, but it's also answered. How? The thorn in the flesh doesn't leave, but God answers his prayer still in what way? He gives him the grace to get through it. Amen? And Paul says, I know that when I'm weak, he's strong. He gives him strength to endure it. So when we pray for people, we pray for healing. We pray for all kinds of wonderful things. But you know what we always pray as well? Lord, your will be done. Lord, give grace to this person if you don't answer this prayer specifically how they want to. And guess what? I know if they're seeking the Father, he's always going to answer that prayer. If they're seeking him, he's always going to give them grace because God gives grace to who? The humble, but he resists the proud. So whatever you go through, whether your prayer is getting answered clearly or it's like, wow, I don't know if the Lord's answering this. I'm going through this horrible thing. You can count on this. If you're humble before the Lord and you seek him, you say, your will be done. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Amen. He's going to give you grace, right? His kindness, his love, his mercy is going to be poured out upon you. And he's going to get you through whatever trial you're in. And one day you're going to stand before the throne, amen, and rejoice. That you're going to rejoice that he answered your prayers. And he rejoiced for the times he didn't answer your prayer. Because our Father knows best, amen? We just trust him. Trust him to be way wiser, way smarter, way more loving than anybody else. The creator of the universe who gave himself for you, amen? Can we all please stand?